Hello and welcome to the podcast that reconnects classic issues of PC's own magazine with the people that worked on them. For this third episode, we'll be prizing apart the June 2003 issue, PC's own 129, when the mag was the first in the world to play Half-Life 2 ahead of its announcement. Joining me, Richie Shoemaker, aboard the first train to City 17, are the then editor Dave Woods, associate editor Jamie Sefton, senior reviews editor Martin Corder, and man who used to know Steve Hill. Enjoy the ride and thank you for travelling with PC's Own Lives. Thank you, Brian. Yes, we're looking back at Half-Life 2 today from a time when very little was known about Valve's future classic. That was soon to change, of course, when the game adorned the front cover of PC Zone 129. Now, back then, I'd been freelancing for a few months, having left the mag after five years to take care of my baby boy. So like a lot of subscribers, I got a pleasant surprise when the issue arrived on the doormat. Steve Hill, you were freelancing for Zone for a long time before I threatened your income, of course. What are you up to at the time? Well, I looked at this issue and I haven't made a single contribution because <laughs> I was on holiday. I think I went to South America for six weeks and wrote The Man Who Knows from an Internet Cafe, which is my only contribution to this mag. So why you've got me on and chosen this mag, I've absolutely no idea. <laughs> OK, we'll kick you out there. <laughs> but you did, you did review Half-Life, of course. Uh, yeah, later on, I think I did. Well, Half-Life, the original. Did I? Half-Life, one. yeah. Did I? This one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I take, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I, I think I remember that. That was quite a big deal at the time, wasn't it? Um, back to your original question. Yes, I freelanced on Zone from 1997 until the bitter end, mainly known for my face appearing on any kind of genitalia, just to, to get it <laughs> get it past the censorship people. So thanks, everyone. <laughs> Dave, uh, Dave Woods, back in 2003, you were um, calling the shots on, as Zone's editor, uh, sixth editor, I think, and I believe I was going through the issues, and I think this issue is kind of like your midpoint issue thirty or so. Uh, yeah, I think it was probably a bit near the end. I think I left in two thousand five, uh, and I joined in ninety eight, ninety nine. Well, I wasn't editor straight away. Um, yeah, so maybe yeah, second half of the of the Woods tenure. So yeah, I was editor. Um, Half-Life 2 is obviously a, a huge deal. Um, you know, readers will have seen this as, as their first sort of look at it. And for us, and I think, you know, me and Jamie especially, it had been consuming our lives for, for <laughs> you know, a long time prior to this. Uh, probably took 10 years off my life as well. Speaking of consuming lives, Jamie, you were a kind of, you were a relative newcomer. Yeah. Well, among us, I guess, yeah. in 2003, but not to magazines. And I, I was reading your news editorial in the issue and you mentioned that half-life had changed your life yeah yeah it did i mean um i got a job in the industry uh, after i reviewed half-life um and then sent it to arcade magazine at future publishing in bath and they uh, gave me an interview and then i got my first job in the industry so yeah it's because of half half-life that i got into into games and at the time as well i was um reading a lot of pc zone as well so yeah, before this issue, I think it was about three or four issues before this one that I that I joined. So I was relatively new, um, and I kind of got the job because I uh, the magazine I was on, Play Nation, closed down. 
So they just said, well, well do you want to work on PC Zone then? And uh, You see, I yeah. remember it slightly differently. Um, do you? I think, I think you had like a number of people queuing up for your services because I did a big charm offensive down the pub. Um, spent oh, really? all evening buttering you up and, and trying to persuade you to join. And, and, uh, and then, yeah, with a hangover the next day, I think I got the yes. I'm sure that's what <laughs> happened. Yeah, well, I, I can remember um, being asked by um, Duncan, I think it was, who said, oh, you know, we're closing the mag, but we'd like you to stay on um, and join PC Zone. But uh, I think I remember being a bit intimidated because I'd always loved PC Zone and, and the writing on it was always so brilliant. I thought, well, you know, am I good enough to actually join this magazine? Obviously, no. I wasn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, back off. But, you know, I was, uh, it was, you know, absolute pleasure when I joined and, you know, it was such a great team. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And I immediately kind of um, just fell into the, the kind of zone versus gamer kind of rivalry yeah. which I, i'd never really uh experienced before in any other magazine you know before we'd had friendly rivalries and you know professional rivalries and things but i'd never experienced pure hatred for another magazine which i thought was really interesting i think it hit the heights around that time as well um you know it changed from editor to editor depending on who was on the magazine it was always a, a big rivalry uh, and i remember when i left because i i got uh headhunted from future to come up to dennis to work on zone right. um I, I was just sat in the in the hellhole that was the future office and and picked You're up on the PC phone review weren't you or something i was on pc review at the time yeah, yeah. and I, I the phone rang and picked it up and it was chris anderson um who i'd heard about legend um <laughs> you know nothing good particularly at future was <laughs> <laughs> said about him at all um and then yeah he just said do you want to come up for an interview and it all felt very cloak and dagger which i loved um and then yeah you know when i left i had leaving drinks and the pc gamer sort of crew came along and uh and and saying things like oh you know chris anderson the the, the best employee future hasn't got you're gonna hate it and i was just like oh, fuck's sake well, Woods, I, I remember <laughs> your first night you ended up sat on chris anderson's lap with him stroking your hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was... some kind of bonding had gone on. Yeah, exactly. I think we bonded pretty quickly. <laughs> and I think we just found out how Jamie got the job as well. <laughs> well, yeah, I think there was, right there, was a bit, there was a bit of that. Yeah. What, what was um, it about zone editors and sitting people on their knees stroking their hair? Well, yeah, I just carried on the tradition. Was, uh, part of my job description. You see, I, you know, I, I came from Future as well, so it, you know that was. I knew a lot of the the gamer. Um, writers and things. I'm still, you know, good friends with them, like Jim Rossignol and and all of yeah. them. And so it was, yeah, it was kind of a, an odd situation, really. But um, well, I think the writers were were lovely. It was just, you know, as I say, it changed from editor to editor. And weirdly, you know, when I came up, I just I didn't want to be focusing on that. I wanted to be focusing on making a magazine. Yeah. So I we had a meeting and and we agreed to call a truce and that we would, you know, go pitch for exclusives and that we'd we'd honor everyone's exclusives and then did you um, really I, I don't rem- I, yeah i don't remember that and then like a you know a sort of um high point of game of thrones um game registers just absolutely turned heel and and just went for everything and and half-life 2 was obviously the biggest prize mm. um so that became a real focal point for the battle which i'm sure we'll talk about later on but yeah it got really nasty i mean to the point where you know, they were going after exclusives in whatever way they could 
they can do it. And and then emailing me <laughs> before I knew what had happened, just with, with lines like, oh, what's on your cover this month, smiley face? And and then, you know, we'd find out that they'd, they'd stolen an exclusive offer. So, wow. yeah, it, it was very odd and very um, sort of time consuming. In the end, you know, a lot of, that's what a lot of the job turned into, which is a bit unfortunate. Yeah, the level of rivalry was just incredible. It was, it was, it, it kind of fueled us on a day-to-day basis, and I think it made for for better magazines because we were always trying to outdo each other. I think, yeah, to a certain extent, I think that was true. I think, you know, a lot of the the the, the bad stuff, I suppose, you know, was shielded from a lot of people, and it was just, you know, editors, maybe Jamie as well, and, and publishers that that were getting involved. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the the rivalry was 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 quite healthy and quite good in in some respects a bit like like wwe and wcw monday night wars <laughs> but i presume that all magazines were like that i didn't i didn't know it was just they weren't, and they weren't. Like, it was it was yeah. just saying in gamer from what i remember martin you were the senior senior reviews editor was, is that right I just be- yeah i just become senior reviews editor at the time from reviews editor it was actually very similar to being reviews editor <laughs> I had senior yeah. at, the start of my, at the start of my title. Extra 50 quid a year. <laughs> no, no, extra, no extra money, but I had senior. Look better on the CV. <laughs> In 2003, Martin, you would have been, you probably would have been the longest. Because you, you started before Dave. No, didn't I didn't actually. I started just oh, after that. Well, it's, I kind of did and I didn't. I kind of started as a work experience kid in June 1999 before Dave was there. Um, and I just kept showing up basically until oh. they gave me a job. Uh, took, took, took six months of me just turning up and going, have you got a job? No. Can I can I have some work? Yeah, here's a half-page review. Okay, thank you very much. I'll see you next week. <laughs> and then I got a job. Uh, I started actually full-time on Zone in January 2000. And Dave had started a couple of months before that, I think. Is that right, Dave? You know, I can't remember. So, yeah, it must have been 99, I think. Any hair stroking um, involved? No hair stroking, no, no, no. You did have a decent mane at that time as well, Corey, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was down halfway down my back at the time, I think, at the time. But, uh, he, was but too big. he was too big to put on your lap, though, wasn't he? Yeah, you'd come into the office and be like, wow, Prez is looking buff. <laughs> <laughs> Prez has been on roids. <laughs> but no, this was kind of kind of the zenith for me of my full time at, at Zone, because it was like it was my 50th issue writing for the mag including the stuff that i'd done prior to being full-time and uh, obviously you know breaking half-life 2 to the world doesn't really get any better than that does it so i'd say yeah this issue was kind of a you know a pretty a pretty big deal for me uh before we get to the main feature let's get ourselves in the mood by looking at what else was getting people excited in the early summer of 2003. The movies, Too Fast, Too Furious. Never seen it. Bruce Almighty? <laughs> nope. Yeah, no. <laughs> Bruce Almighty. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber, Dumber, Dumb and Dumber. Not, not a very good film, no. I think I saw that. Not a that. patch on the original. No, well, <laughs> no, that's true. Few, few comedies are. And uh, being heavily uh, trailered at the movies was uh, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, uh, Martin, which I'm sure you Well, interestingly, Hill and I went to see that together at the press screening. What? Absolutely no recollection. I was about to say I've never seen it. (laughs) You did, yeah. You came out suitably unimpressed, I have to say. Wow. It was... uh... 
whereabouts again? What? I can't remember, but there was a press screening and you and I got to go. There wasn't a tie-in game, was there? I'm convinced I've never seen it. but um... yeah, You have seen it. I sat, I, sat, I sat next to you and we discussed it at length over beers afterwards. <laughs> sat on my lap while I was stroking your hair through the whole thing. There was, there was, there was no hair stroking going on at all. <laughs> oh, hang on. Um, okay. I'll watch it again this week, see if it sparks any memories. Yeah, I'll do a full Terminator rewatch just to see if I can maybe just, back to maybe, that moment. Maybe just the first two. Maybe just avoid the others. You know, eight hours of your life you'll never get back. Oh, really? Not so good. Well, after two, it went downhill. All right. Well, I'm glad, glad we had a lovely night. It's obviously more memorable <laughs> for you, Corder. Don't remember, <laughs> don't remember a single thing about you or it. <laughs> so what we've ascertained from this is that if it was a high point for games, it was definitely a low point for cinema. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> good good uh, analogy. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. I'm not sure it was a particularly good, good month for music either. We had uh, R. Kelly... Crikey. Rotter. And uh, S Club 8. I didn't know there was an S Club 8, eight. but apparently they were in the chart. Yes, what, 8. What's S Club 8? Didn't they merge with 5 at one point? <laughs> that would have been S Club 12. S Club doesn't. <laughs> New video game releases was Midnight Club 2 on Xbox, Tomb Raider, Angel of Darkness on PS2, and Advance Wars 2, and Simpsons Road Rage on Game Boy Advance. Now, Jamie, I'm pretty sure you... I've heard you raving about Simpsons Road Rage, but I probably wasn't on the Game Boy Advance. No, I think it was on PC. It was a decent... Yeah, it was a decent kind of game. I, I loved the Simpsons kind of world, so it was, it was quite good fun. But, uh, yeah, Advance Wars 2, that's a cracker. Okay, the, uh, talking about PC games then, Championship Manager 4 was racing to the top of the charts, which was reviewed in the previous issue of Zone, and which Steve Hill called, and I quote, the single most important gaming event of the year, 90%. Um, I'd like to retract that statement <laughs> officially through my lawyers um, up to that point <laughs> of the to the year so far, I would say. <laughs> See, when I was going through this issue, I, I was thinking like, Hill hasn't run anything. I was just, no, no, I, it was in I fucking just, Peru. Just, I just assumed that you were just playing championship manager, which is why. Oh, maybe. Did, oh, yeah, maybe. You didn't want any work. I was probably ringing you up, going, "Hill, do you want to review this?" You're like, "No, piss off. I review. I'm playing champ manager." Oh, no, no, it was the least cost-effective review of the year. You, you play it for five hundred hours. Here's a check for ninety pounds. <laughs> <laughs> a, a penny an hour or something on that game. Wow, did we pay you more than usual for that one then? Jesus. <laughs> I had a special rate called a range through woods. <laughs> I'm sure he told everyone that. <laughs> Can you remember what the standout feature was of Chapman 4? Absolutely not, no. Um, it, was, it was the first time anyone? the 2D thing. Was there a big uh, leap from 3 yeah, to 4? 4 four was the, be- the beginning it, of the end, wasn't it? It was the first time that they had 2D matches, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that's, what, um, yeah. that's what killed mm-hmm. it for me, I think. Real time. I, d- yeah. I didn't want it. Well, you gave it 90%, so you must have liked it. <laughs> Let's get straight on to Half-Life 2, which was by far the biggest story, not only, I guess, in the issue, but at the time in all of PC Gaming. Um, in the, I was looking through PC Gamer, I don't know if anyone else has, but uh, I was looking in the May issue of PC Gamer, and the outgoing editor, Matthew Pierce, that was his last issue, teased that the following issue would feature an incredible exclusive. Um, and it didn't, of course, because Zone had beaten it to the newsstands. Was that his last? That was his last issue. Yes, and we ruined it. Oh, that makes me so happy. I never (laughs) knew that. (laughs) So, Dave, how did this world exclusive come about? 
So it's a long time in the making. I mean, we we cultivated a, a relationship at sort of all levels of, of Half-Life. We desperately wanted this game as an exclusive. Um, and we got it signed up. So we, we signed it up through uh, Vivendi, who were the distributors at the time. And that's normally how things worked. You know, we would go through them and their PR people. Um, and then the closer that the game got, there was things started happening. Um, so there was a big split between... Uh, Valve and Vivendi, but it didn't happen at that sort of time. There was there was sort of a power struggle behind the scenes. So so Valve started taking more of the um, control back for the game. I don't think it happened at the preview. I think it happened in between this and the review. Um, but yeah, we got on really well with the PR person at Vivendi. Um, signed up much to to gamers uh, sort of disgust and and managed to hold on to it. They were using you know their american arm to sort of try and leverage exclusives from them to beat us to it um but yeah i mean i i've got more memory of the review um and sort of looking back through this magazine i sort of wondered how martin Corder got to the plum job of, of flying six thousand miles to, <laughs> to preview the most exciting game ever while i was sat at home subbing it I'm not quite sure how that worked <laughs> well it actually all started bef- several issues before this because a couple of issues before this, we'd had our 10th anniversary. And uh, just on the... So we were all kind of off trying to find exclusives and trying to find the best possible thing we could. So I'd, I'd kind of had a pretty good relationship with, with Valve. Um, so I thought, you know what? Just for the hell of it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write to them and see if anything is happening with Half-Life 2. Nobody knew if it existed. Nobody knew it was in development. But I just thought I'd write to them and say, look, we've got 10th anniversary issue coming up. Have you got anything you want to reveal? Hint, hint. Um, And to my amazement, they actually came back and went, uh, the 10th anniversary issue is probably a bit too early for us to talk about anything new, but uh, keep in touch and we might have something to speak about in the coming months. Um, So basically... Like you know, Dave, me, and Jamie, whoever, we all kept in touch with them, and we were really enthusiastic. And uh, you know, we'd write to them regularly and say, "Hey, look, has anything changed? Look, we'd love to cover you know your big announcement." Um, and then, lo and behold, kind of out of nowhere, we get this email saying, "Right, we're ready to talk about this." Um, you know, and we kind of got talking to them and worked out a deal in terms of coverage and pages and stuff like that. And it just, it was like the perfect storm. Everything just came mm. together. Um, and suddenly we found ourselves, because as Dave rightly said, I think Valve were moving increasingly to become an independent entity away from the publisher. Um, and we'd originally had, like Dave said, we'd had we'd had the exclusive originally with the publisher, and then I think we'd lost it because I think the PR went somewhere else, and then the new PR came in or something, and they sorted something out with Gamer. Um, but because we were kind of talking directly to Valve, we were kind of talking literally to the gatekeepers. So we suddenly found ourselves in this position where we were had this opportunity to break the biggest game you know in PC history and be the first to do it. So that's pretty um, amazing. So I, I didn't realise that, that 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 was how it came about. You know this this preview. Um, so we, we've got you to thank for this. That's why you got the, the plum job. Yeah, I mean it was a team effort, wasn't it? Ultimately, but you know it was if 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 we hadn't kind of sent those that original email like for the tenth anniversary because we wanted mm. something kind of earth shattering for the tenth anniversary, mm. and we actually got a really good game in the end because I believe it was Deus Ex Two we got. Was yeah, that, I went right? on that trip. Yeah, it was good. People really liked us as well. So, you know, Valve liked us. Uh, Epic really liked us. 
I think we were enthusiastic, you know. I think yeah. we were, it wasn't just like we weren't really corporate and, you know, we weren't trying to strong arm anybody. We were just literally just getting in touch and saying, look, we'd love to cover this. We loved Half-Life. We love what you guys have done since then. And we've had a really good work, good working relationship with you. And I just think yeah. that kind of all came together. And then, you know, we all got behind it and worked together as a team to to kind of push our enthusiasm for it. Um, and I think they I think liked that, what we were offering. So yeah, I think the magazine as well. Us. I think that, you know, when you talk to people and, and certainly when we closed and we got all the, the sort of um, messages from people, I think, you know, everyone did read Zone. I don't think we were necessarily aware of that at the time. But not only did everyone read it, I think they really liked it. It was very certainly very different to any magazine that was out in America. And it was quite different to any mag that was out in um, in the UK. I mean, it was certainly different to Gamer. You know, it was quite irreverent. It was uh, it was funny. Um, and, you know, we were all really, um, you know, we were slightly, we don't necessarily the sort of really geeky side of the PC gaming world. I think that, that sort of came across in the magazine as well. But certainly, you know, Valve, Doug Lombardi, they, they really liked it. And I think that, that served us well. So were you aware that PC Gamer were gearing up to reveal Half-Life 2? I think we were. I think we definitely were. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember, because we, we, I mean, I think this issue is a two-week issue, isn't it, this 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 one? Because so we, we did brought, this, I think, yeah, to bring it forward, yeah, didn't we? So, yeah, um, we deliberately brought, because you, you went and asked uh, our um, publisher and said, look, we we need to get this issue out before PC Gamer. So we, I think we brought it forward. That rings a, bit, a bell. Yeah, that rings a bell. So what had happened, yeah, so we we'd got the exclusive sorted out for the UK and then we found out that <clears throat> PC Gamer US were, were going to run it and we found out what when they were going to run it and we knew that uh, as soon as the materials landed with US Gamer that they were going to be passed on to UK. Hmm. Um, so yeah, there were shenanigans behind the scenes and, and bringing it forward. And actually, you know, looking through the magazine again, um, you know, doing that in two weeks is, is a pretty big ask it was a big magazine there's a lot of stuff in there there's an enormous amount yeah i, I was looking through it today mm. there's there's hundreds of thousands of words in it it was crazy yeah. so I, you know because i, I had to none, go, none I, written by me but from one guy. i had to go to, i had to go to <laughs> seattle obviously and then see the game then come back and write 12 pages plus run two sections of the magazine in two weeks it was mad but it was worth every second of it because yeah you know you guys moved heaven i mean Dave, Jamie, you guys move heaven and earth to bring us forward two weeks to be able to kind of, you know, to beat everyone to the punch in terms of when we were going yeah. to be on the newsstand. I think we yeah. were the first in the world, yeah. if I'm correct. Yeah. Um, I just remember all the so, all the secrecy about it. Like mm. um, the the main bit I remember from that whole time was um, mocking it. We'd send off a, a mock up cover to the printers to make sure it was it was you know it looked right and the colours were right and everything. And we, we were so paranoid we didn't put half-life 2 on the cover did we We put x2 on the cover so we had exactly yeah. exactly this you know the same cover but we we called it x2 you know the space shooting game or whatever um because wow. we were so paranoid that someone at the printers would go i mean the half-life yeah. 2 symbol and gordon freeman were a bit of a giveaway but you know <laughs> <clears throat> no it was just x2 yeah no, i'm kidding but it was um yeah we were just so so kind of paranoid that we were going to get found out and that that they you know pc gaming would bring their dates forward as well so i don't know if it was this one in the end but there was a one exclusive that we did for half-life um to gamer found out and changed their cover and just ran old stuff yes a week before and it was Mm. just like really that is just you know 
you're doing your readers a disservice. And, you know, it, it's, it's just, I'd say it's not cricket, but it's just, it just was so, it felt so wrong. That it was a play test cover, was, I think, um, wasn't it? Because we we got yeah. back and updated with new screenshots and then they just yeah. deliberately kind yeah. of spoiled it. But but we, I think that was because we, we basically beat them to the new stand with with this and uh... well yeah he'd said the editor had said to me that <laughs> and it was pretty strong he said obviously wasn't serious because he didn't do it but he said if you didn't get half if you didn't beat us to half-life 2 he would hang himself i was like so when we went to press i was like fantastic not only have we got the exclusive he's now gonna hang himself but he, put it on the cover disc he um <laughs> he, he obviously pulled out <laughs> And I remember thinking, you know, they're they're, they're going to find out, that, you know. And until the issue was on the shelves, I was thinking, I was expecting. I kept going to the news agents and thinking, I'm going to see Gamer on the shelves. I was, I was really the same. Um, I was so you know, worried. Thinking, oh God, you know, because we we had to wait about a week, ten days before the magazine obviously would get printed and then get put on the shelves. And yeah. I was just absolutely paranoid that that we would see their magazine, but it didn't happen, and we hit the shelves and. Um, and it looked absolutely fantastic as well. The cover was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. The cover um, looked so we fantastic. got the official Half Life Pantone zero twenty one. I did. You know, the only thing that ruined it, and we sort of had to do that at the time, was the um, Rise of Nations bloke on there. You've got, you've got a little Nazi <laughs> soldier pointing a gun at a huge Gordon Freeman. Yeah. Well, that would have been under the disc, wouldn't it? Or was he on the disc as well? My, my cover mount is missing. I need to consult my news agent. He was in the bag. <laughs> so it was... Uh, I, was yeah, I don't think you would have yeah. seen that, really, because the yeah. disc was always in that position anyway. Yeah. It was in a bag. It was in a big orange bag. Um, I, I forgot about that. So yeah, oh, right. it, would look, ah. it looked pretty stunning. Yeah, it looked great. It was a massive Half-Life 2 on the cover. <laughs> I, it's interesting, actually, because I, I tweeted about this um, a few weeks ago, and um, Dan Marshall... Um, who used to write for PC Zone um, as well and uh, now runs Size 5 Games. He says he remembers, he said, I remember buying this in a newsagent in Shepherd's Bush in disbelief and I couldn't even wait the five-minute walk home to read it. So I went into a cafe next door. Brilliant. Such an exciting moment. Wow. That's what we used to do to people. We used to excite them. Well, it was, you know, we just knew that we were sitting on. For me, it's it's the 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 proudest moment that I've had in magazines was was this because mm. it was the biggest game in the world, and we we'd, we'd beaten our, our yeah a little old and, magazine from the UK, you know, and I think yeah, you know we were world first in the world, yeah, yeah beating, yeah. you know, I mean, you put world exclusive on whatever, irrespective um, <laughs> of whether it's true. This or not, actually was, yeah. I think this actually <laughs> was, and being you know a big piece of gamer in the US was huge. Um, yeah. You know, and in terms of you know getting the the first coverage, and and also the internet wasn't so big, so you know it didn't blow up like it would have done now. But um, mm. it was massive. It was yeah, mm. a very proud moment. It was a really high selling issue as well. I think this one sold like fifty percent more copies than kind of our average sales. Mm. Was was there any was there any comeback from from Avendi or was it all all okay? Because obviously you arranged it through kind of through Valve, I guess. Did you? Well, Vivendi wanted us to have the exclusive. Um, mm. That's what they were saying to us. It's like, look, we signed the exclusive with you. We want you to have it. Just beware that it's a bit out of our hands now. So whatever you can do, you know, in terms of, you know, securing us with Valve, do it. 
Um, so it was a bit of a two-pronged um, effort. And the PR person didn't much like Gamer, which sort of went in our favour at the time. Um, and he was really pleased that we that we got the exclusive as well. Um, but it was, you know, it was a it was a constant ongoing thing because obviously there was the review after this as well. There were other exclusives as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of meetings and the amount of arguments and the amount of uh, fallouts we had over Half Life Two was incredible. It was a kind of like the 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 complete kind of focal point, wasn't it? Because it was like yeah. everything came your all arrival and everything focused on this one game because it was the biggest game and it was like whoever got that exclusive kind of won the won the war sort of thing and in the end well, exactly kind of, yeah. you know in the end they had to you know i think um well future ended up buying pc zone and that's how they managed to get the exclusive just for gamer because they just gave it to them um well even then there was but, a um there was a compromise wasn't there um, yeah i think they, was, they did yeah. give it to gamer but I just said, you know, this is disgusting and, and threatened to, you know, quit. And and in the end, the publisher said, I think, I can't remember what it was. I think that we came out roughly the same time. Mm. And that was mm. the compromise. Um, and to be fair, our publisher fought for us a lot. But um, yeah, in the end, that was the only way they could beat us, to buy us and, and have their wicked way with us. Was it you, Dave, who told me about their the uh, PC gamer publisher when he heard when he saw the magazine uh, PC Zone and kind of marched into the editor's <laughs> office and kind of slammed it on the desk and went what the <laughs> fuck's this I was really you know is that, is that was it you tell me about that I, just, I can't remember that but it, it sounds brilliant it sounds like the sort of thing that I would relish uh, telling at the time <laughs> <laughs> bad 80s movie what's the meaning of this <laughs> yeah it's a kind of... dream that Dave had <laughs> yeah, a disgusting it was, dream it was very sweet it was um, yeah it was great can you um, Martin I mean when you went over to Valve I mean mind you we don't know much about Valve these days but I mean back then of course they were a complete enigma I mean um, what was what was the place like um, I didn't really see a huge amount of where they actually worked. You know, I kind of came in and kind of got taken into this room where I got shown the game. Um, and then people would come in and talk to me or show me things in, you know, in that room rather than kind of getting a studio tour. So it was hard for me to really to say what the dynamics of, of the place was like. Um, but really, I, my memories of it is, you know, sitting in this kind of big, big room with this massive screen in front of me. And, you know, I, I mean, like, you know, when you go and see exclusive stuff you know you're always kind of bigging it up you know because it's exclusive and um you know it's something to get excited about but this was this was like nothing i'd ever seen like i was I actually read the preview before before we did this and it was laced with superlatives and you know if i'd have been more cynical i would have thought actually maybe i was kind of overdoing the enthusiasm etc but i think it really comes across martin you know and i was reading it myself as well and you kind of just you know, my hands are trembling. It's this was the moment I've been waiting I really, for. I, I was genuinely like, was that excited. Yeah, yeah, for me, no, you really was, got across that excitement. Three, three and a half years earlier, I just left university and I, I was desperate to work in uh, for, a, for a PC games magazine. And, you know, here I am, literally the first yeah. person in the world to see Half-Life 2 with the opportunity to, you know, write this exclusive. And then it actually lived up to everything that I, I hoped for. And then so much more. Um, so it was a it really, actually... really good preview because um, I, I read it as well just before we've done the podcast. And 
Um, you know, I haven't read it for a long time. And mm. when I started off, I was thinking, this is this is too much. You know, the first couple of paragraphs, it's like, you know, this is a bit too breathless. But by the end of it, I just wanted to play it again. It was, yeah. you know, really took you in. Uh, and, and you know, the, the excitement was obviously genuine. Um, yeah, yeah I, think, I think, you know, I, f- I think it was vindicated when the game came out because, you know, obviously yeah. I think was it we gave it 97% or something, which I think mm. is the joint yeah. highest score we ever gave a game in the history of the magazine. Um, so I'm just really well, back, glad back that it actually games ended up were... being as... I'm yeah. just really glad it ended up being as good as I originally thought it was when I saw mm. it because, it, mm. it, you know, so many things were like a huge step forward. Like, you know, the faces, for example, yeah. looked like faces. They, they talked like people mm. talked. Their faces moved like... You know, their bodies moved like real people. The and physics that's what were I was amazing. Say the, that, the AI was astounding. The, the the gameplay was just, it was so dynamic. And, you know, it could go in so many different ways based on the AI and the situations. And, you know, we were used to playing games where you walked into a room, you know, you hit a point and suddenly all of these AI would charge towards you and shoot straight them. straight at you. Yeah, and then, you'd, <laughs> you know, then you'd see a cutscene where you, a, a character would stand still in front of you with like this bone mouth going up and down with no emotion. And then you'd go and do it all over again. And then suddenly you go and see something like this and it's like, this is it. This is, this is the next step. This is genuinely the next step in, in video games. Well, that's where we were back then, weren't we? That, um, you know, games were taking huge leaps forward. Um, mm. Because, you know, now I've got a, a PS5 and yeah, the graphics look great, but but the game, you know, there's nothing really that surprising. You know, VR will be the next big step. But but back then, you know, the jump from sort of Doom to Quake to Quake 3 to Half-Life, uh, it was revolutionary. Um, well, do you remember the, uh, the, 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 the demo at E3? Because, I mean, it was, I think, about a month after this preview, we went out to E3 to actually see the game. And it was the first day of E3, I remember it. It was our first meeting when you had Gabe Newell, you know, in this um, little theatre thing that constructed showing us the Half-Life 2 demo and we, we just absolutely blew, blew us away, we came out of that first yeah. thing, just like well we might as well go home now because we're not going to see anything at E3 over the next three or four days, it's going to be as good as that. And then we had to go down to Cock Media <laughs> and Hill fell asleep. <laughs> In what, sorry? I think from Half-Life 2, it's like, right, what next? Oh, it's Cop Media down in the basement. You go into one of those little <laughs> cubicles and see their latest hotel simulator. <laughs> Woods did actually fall asleep in an E3 meeting. Yeah, yeah. Stalker. Ah, oh, that was, that was I remember, it was so hot. It was, it was incredibly hot. Couldn't, this... couldn't breathe in there, and the bloke didn't know what he was doing. The game wasn't working. Um, he kept saying, that, you know, I can't remember what, it had a... a, a couldn't really speak very good English. He was trying to say. No, he kept saying, "Do you know what is animal?" That's you it. Know, <laughs> you have to know what an animal is. No, animal, and and not animal anomaly. Are you saying anomaly? <laughs> At this point, Woods is asleep. Started just <laughs> gently snoring. <laughs> Jesus, Dave, do you remember? Uh, do you remember uh, when um, we got the mags back from uh, the uh, printers? Um, with uh, Will being interviewed, do you remember? Because we, this... yeah, because basically Will Will said that um, he remembers when when he came for an interview uh, with us for for the zone job. We we were so excited about the Half Life Two issue that we actually went and got it and showed him it because we had early copies. Right, and he said he right. said it just blew his mind that we we'd got Half Life Two on the cover. 
Oh, so he didn't know. Obviously, he didn't have a clue. No, right. No. So Will was always a bit of a fanboy, wasn't he? he this he, is Will Porter for the benefit. Yeah, of sorry, Will Porter. He he read the magazine a lot, didn't he? Before he came well, to re- work for us. Reader turned editor. Yeah, he's lived the dream. Yeah. Well, yeah, that must have been a fucking yeah. thrill for him. In mm. in the office of his heroes, being shown the greatest scoop of all time. <laughs> yeah, could have got him yeah, to work for he was free. Excited. <laughs> all downhill after that. I think we did. Oh yeah. Completely disillusioned, <laughs> spat out the end of it. <laughs> um, does Half-Life 2 still stand up? I played it this week. I actually shamefully played it on Xbox 360. Uh, mm. It's all right. It's pretty atmospheric. Just just the noises. Just the... Well, I've been, I've been playing Half-Life for Alex in VR uh, oh, yeah. this week. And, Don't uh, tell me what happens. I haven't played it yet. Oh, no, well, but it's it's... I mean, for me, that's you. Know, you were talking earlier about the leap in, you know, VR, and it absolutely is. I mean, it's just fantastic because you just actually are in City Seventeen, and it's just, yeah, it's just brilliant. Uh, very scary though. I had to, I had to stop playing it um, a while back because I kept screaming and shouting, and uh, my family thought <laughs> I was in distress. Uh, no, nope, having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's, it's odd because obviously the you know where we are at the moment with the pandemic and stuff, you know. You'd, Think, oh, yeah, no, I'll just take a break from this uh, post-apocalyptic world and just go into a nice, <laughs> a nice kind of post-apocalyptic world with you know, body bags and yeah. So it's, it's not exactly a break from uh, from the world that we're living in, but it's 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 great fun. Well, you can it see, works you can really see, well. You can see the influence Half Life Two had, you know, to this day, you know, in terms of the way that narrative is delivered and the way that it's integrated into the, the gameplay and the way that AI works and the way that character models are created. And yeah, I mean, you say, you know, it's what, 17, 18 year old game now, and it still mm. stands up pretty well, which, you know, you can't really say that about, if you look at any of the other games that we reviewed on, you know, in that issue, would mm, they stand yeah. up now? Debatable. Right. Jumpman 4. Yeah, I tell you what was nice as well, um, which came across in your review, uh, preview. Mine was um, Gabe Newell talking about working on it and working on mm. the game and stuff. And and obviously after after this um, with Steam, obviously because they used this game to kind of launch Steam, really. And um, from what I remember, yeah, they did. Um, well, that because, was a brilliant story behind Half Life Two. Really, that was you know the mm. sort of spin off that Steam. So what happened? You know, they Valve were splitting from Vivendi and there was a bit of a power struggle going on and how it culminated um, as far as I can remember is that uh, (laughs) the PR person at Vivendi was talking to me and saying yeah the idiots so all they asked for was uh, online distribution rights (laughs) they can have it (laughs) who buys games online and uh, you know obviously Valve had this master plan and yeah yeah, and the rest is is history I mean they were so forward thinking because at the time yeah. i remember there was loads of complaints about the D, you know like this is worse than drm and what they're making yeah. us sign in to this steam thing for us you know for for the game <laughs> and all that and but yeah. i mean they were visionaries weren't they i mean absolutely know, i mean you 18 know, when you look years back ago at the, yeah look back at the companies that you know were really properly visionary and forward thinking and, and uh and valve were right there i mean they were you know a developer they were a big developer yeah. But they took the power, you know, and and saw the future, and and, and obviously, you know, Steam is, is it was a brilliant a, move on their monster. part, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And when they did that, you know, they they must have thought, you know, this is our plan, mm. you know, just like us with our Half Life Two cover. I hope they don't realise what we're doing, and I hope they don't realise, <laughs> you know, someone comes yeah. in and says, actually, guys, what are you doing? What are you selling the online rights for? 
I think at the time, you know, maybe a few hundred copies. Hardly any games were sold online. Mm, mm. Um, and they, yeah, they absolutely had well, Andy over on you know, fun, you know, if you look at your um, your editorial lead uh, at the start of the magazine, uh, you say that the internet was good for buying CDs. You know, that yeah. just shows what it shows, it shows the situation back then. You know, that we did yeah. buy CDs online. We didn't just yeah. like you know download individual songs or albums you know onto our devices right yeah it was crazy we, we wasn't it? I mean, CDs, speeds, we ordered them. you couldn't download stuff really you know it would take hours um yeah you ordered stuff off amazon um and the other thing i said was porn wasn't it so i got one of the two things right <laughs> was there any inclination did you know martin when you when you when you went over there or or, or at the time whether um valve were lining up steam because i don't think it was mentioned i had no idea no. I just went over and saw the game. Um, I don't think it was I'd... ever mentioned in any of the previews or anything, I don't think. No, the only thing I heard was, was yeah, the, the Vivendi person laughing and saying, the idiots have just asked for online rights, <laughs> which we've given them, because uh, it's worthless. That? It's, almost like, it's almost like the Beatles, it's almost like the uh, you know guitar bands are going out of yeah. fashion, isn't it? The internet, that'll never catch on. <laughs> yeah. Absolute waste of time. <laughs> Physical what was the line that you used to use at the time? It's just a fad like pogo stick. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> uh... There was what? There was one thing in in your preview, Martin, that was quite interesting. You were talking about just the, the gravity gun. There's a few things, yeah, but you, you mentioned about the gravity gun, and yet you mentioned it wasn't going to be in the game. It was just yes, a yeah, I read that. Thing right, to yeah. play with, just just something to test the. Yeah, a lie beat, is a lie. You, no, you beat me to it because. <laughs> They they had that as part of the demo, and when I right. said, "Is that going to be in the game?" they said, "No." Um, so obviously, they wanted to reveal that at a later date. So hence, why I said the gravity gun won't be in the final game because at the time, I was I was told that that wasn't going to be the case. Did they? Uh, you did said, they were they you lying to you, or do you think it wasn't going to be? No, I mean, like you know what you know what it's like with with new games. You don't want to kind of say everything all at once. Yeah, you know, yeah. on mm. the first when you first reveal something, you're not going to give all of the information out. You want to kind of drip feed that. And I think because that that first preview was more about the systems that were working behind the scenes, uh, you know, it's kind of everything that I kind of mentioned earlier in terms of the, the you know the face, the facial animation, and the physics and all that kind of stuff, and the AI. Um, the gravity gun, they, they they had it in the demo when they were showing, you know, they were picking stuff up, but not in game. Um, so like when when they were showing me the physics demo, they were kind of throwing bodies around. They were using this gravity gun to do it. But at no point did I see that gravity gun in the game when I was playing mm. the game. And I think that was probably just something they wanted to hold back because, you know, there was a lot of that kind of physics-based puzzle solving in the game. Um, and that wasn't something that they talked about on this occasion. So I'm assuming that they just said they said that because they just wanted to hold it back for another time. It could well be that it was something that, that developed. You know, they they realised they're having so much fun with it and that it did yeah, open up maybe. all different possibilities. And also, you know, yeah. when that... Martin Corder chap came along. He loved the physics gun. Let's yeah, get maybe. it in. So maybe you should a, take credit a game for it. tester. One man focused group. <laughs> That'd be nice to think that, but I'm not sure that's what Martin Gravity Corder, as they know you. <laughs> Gravity Gun Corder. <laughs> hey, Gigi. <laughs> Claims we've seen Terminator 3 as well. <laughs> you were <One> there. <laughs> The other thing, Martin, was that the game was um, down for release that the same year, September, but it didn't obviously come out till the following year. Right? Did it? Did it seem pretty 
you know, tight and ready to go when you when you saw the bits it? I saw looked great, but you know, I saw a very small amount of the of the actual actual game. You know, I, the half half of the demonstration was showing the systems. You know, like there was a room full of all of the good guys and bad guys. There was like this physics room where they could throw things around and you could see how they react. And then there was kind of sections of the game that I would play that seemed very, very polished. But You should have reviewed it off the back of that. I've done done more (laughs) (laughs) I've had fucking less involved reviews than that sounds. The the game was what? If I remember right, 25, 30 hours, something like that. So, you know. There was loads of the game that I obviously didn't see. So, but yeah, from what I saw, it looked it looked really good. It looked really polished. Also, from reading the preview, it really sounded like they'd got everything worked out. You know that the preview was going to come out here, and yes, we are releasing in five months, and and that sort of suggests that it was pretty much finished when you went out there. Um, Maybe they had yeah, to put the gravity gun in for you. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what happened. Costing oh, that Christmas. God. <laughs> We've got to put the gravity gun that in. That English now. prick has insisted on a gravity gun. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking long hair. Right, put the game it could have been here. all the um, Steam stuff. You know, maybe that wasn't ready. Yeah. Really. They needed more time to, to I get I mean, that every game used yeah. to just slip, didn't it? I, did a game ever come out on time? Apart well, from Championship Manager, which was the same like... game every year. <laughs> <laughs> and the same companies like you. Valve and Id, you know, they just go, well, it's out when it's done. Done when it's done, yeah. wasn't it? It's was done when it's done, yeah, exactly. Which is for the consumers a massive ball ache. I mean, does that happen in any other medium? It's uh, it's mainly well, unless you're the Stone Roses, I suppose. But every, well, every you... game was like the second Stone Roses album. It seemed at that time. I've got one more question, Martin. When you were out at Valve, did they take you out in the town? No. What, I oh, mean, no. you go to Seattle. You want at least go to see a grunge band at that time, don't you? Have some coffee. I mean, like you know, I think I went. I think I might go for lunch or dinner or something, but the guys mm. they, they were working like crazy. They were yeah. working. They were working crazy, crazy hours. So you not have a but PR think, person with you? Did you just go solo? No, I think I think you know I think we went out for dinner and stuff. But it's not like we went you know painting the town red till four. But did in you, the did morning you fly out with a PR person? No, 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 no. Oh, right, no. So that was quite rare to to mm. literally go solo. You always had. Well, I mean, generally well, it was like it, a big group. I mean, this was very this was rare basically... to do anything through the, you know, direct with the developers. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, through the mm, publisher. Mm, and, uh, it wasn't you know, done by off. the publisher. It was we, we went direct to to Valve, and like you know, yeah. all the communication I'd had had been direct with Valve. So you know, they they arranged for me to come over, and you know, they spent the day with me and showed me the game, and went. Did for they pay for your and... hotel, or did did uh, Dennis have to pay for it? I really can't remember. I wouldn't. Uh, Dennis, Dennis wouldn't. Have, Dennis unheard of. Unheard of for the the magazine to pay for their own flight and hotel. <laughs> no, we didn't. It was Even paid for, for by Valve. Um, they okay. paid for everything. Did you add, add any extras in your room, Martin? <laughs> <laughs> it's about that not era that we, of. <laughs> not that we paid. Define for, extras. Well, you know, there's, there's certain for... TV services if you're a, a single man on his own for a, a period of time. Exactly. When his internet came through, there was a few red lines going through. Is um, uh, we're not paying for that, and we're not paying for that. I've, I've actually uh, had, a, had the odd film on my room that when Woods has spent a couple of hours alone in my room, took me by surprise in Vegas. That's a different story. You watched, sir, you watched Three Bears. It's nine ninety nine. Pretty sure I didn't. Not a bear man. Disgusting. Does that answer your question, Richie? Yes. <laughs> yes, it does and more, yes. I got the chance to actually go out. I'm going to have to Google three bears now. I got the chance to go out to Valve in uh, August 2019, which was brilliant because I was in Seattle and uh, 
uh, finally got to got to go to their offices, which are very very nice indeed. And um, there's like a a little kind of um, shelf bit where they've got loads of magazines with coverage for for um, from mags around the world. And there you go, right. Pride of Place, right in the centre, PC nice. zone. Brilliant. Still and Doug there. Lombard is still there, is he? He is, yeah. Coincidentally, I just bumped into him. I just said, uh, hi, Doug. And he went, oh, hello, and kind of had a quick natter. But, yeah, he was there. And this was at the time before they'd announced Half-Life Alex as well. So right. we were showing around, giving a little tour, but obviously we didn't see <laughs> didn't see that going on, obviously. Um, yeah. But um, Is it going to be Half-Life 3, and do you think they'll let this podcast have the exclusive? Because <laughs> <laughs> that will be a scoop. As long as we get it before the PC Gamer podcast. Bastards, which, yeah, which is inevitably going to follow. <laughs> I'll probably just buy this podcast and close it down. <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> ah, good times. Uh, anyway, well, let's uh, move on to the rest of the issue. Well, not maybe not all of it, but let's uh, go through some highlights. Um, does anyone remember that game uh, that was previewed, quite a big preview, Republic, which was obviously not as uh, uh, ambitious as Half-Life, but ambitious in its own way, and of course headed up by De- Demis Hassabis, which who is... Oh, what's he doing he's like a, He's the head he's of, head of AI Deep Mind, isn't he? I like, thought he was yeah. head of Deep Mind. For the world's cleverest man or something. Yeah. He, he was, was really always nice like, you knew that he was going to be a, a you know, genius, whatever he did. And, and, mm. and you, just from Roller Coaster Tycoon or whatever game it is he first made. But oh, yeah, yeah he I mean, was he, Peter Molyneux's kind of pet, wasn't he? Yeah, and I went Originally. to dinner with him um, shortly before I left Zone, actually. Um, <clears throat> and he was, you know, he's brilliant because he was a poker player as well. I, I was moving yeah. over to the poker magazine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was... He was a genius, and I think that you know, because the people I've spoken to since who are desperate to get any sort of hookup with him to try and get a job with his Deep Mind stuff, and obviously they sold to Google. Um, I look at that as a bit of a missed opportunity. I think I spent the whole time talking poker and PC games <laughs> rather than saying, you know, come on, bring me with you, Dennis. I'll I'll uh, I'll come and write about AI for you. Yeah, because he did um, Evil Genius after that, didn't he? And, he was often in the yeah. office, I think. He, was, he used to be hanging around the office quite a lot, I think. Like, yeah, he, came he was a really times. nice guy. I remember going yeah. having yeah, yeah. a really few enjoyable back. lunches with, with Demis. He, he, was he looked really about nice 12 guy. years old, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Everyone assumed he was a work experience or something. Right? <laughs> Give me a tea, please. <laughs> <laughs> did that end up being a good game? I, I think Presley that. liked it. It was, it was. No one else could understand it. It was just so far ahead of its time. Or just ahead of, of anything any of us could comprehend. It was quite comprehend. cerebral, wasn't it? It was quite sort of... I found it yeah. just... Yeah, I was too thick to play it, I think. Yeah. But... Uh, I think another another thing I quite found interesting about the issue was, um, especially in the context of Half-Life 2 being in there, was Quake 3 shooters were still a thing. Mm. Obviously, there was the new Star Wars, uh, Jedi Academy, and... Wasn't it Elite, Elite Force 2? Was that one of them? Elite Force 2, mm. yeah. Yeah, it was a bit bizarre that I got to write the Jedi Academy. <laughs> seeing as I'm not really a fan of the films. Um, yeah. Half your preview just referenced my Jedi Outcast review. You should have asked me to write it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I had to write something, so that was the that was the easiest thing. Because Steve Hill wasn't. Where was I for that issue? You're playing Champ Man. There's a quote from you. Did you see it? 
Do you see in the uh, gobshite um, bit, there's a quote from you. It said, Hill on holiday in South America. I've eaten a llama steak, but I've had to draw the line at roasted guinea pig. <laughs> really? <laughs> I said, right, that's, that's where I was. I thought as much. Jesus. Yeah. So you were actually out in uh, South America. So you didn't, you didn't eat guinea pigs? I think so, yeah. I think I might have had a nibble on it. And then a KV <laughs> burger. Did you have your Did you have your laptop with you the whole time playing no, Chapman? Uh, I did on some holidays. Not sure if it was that one. Jesus, but I know. Yeah, I think uh, CM4 was the beginning of the end. I think I'd only only just got the uh, honour of reviewing them because Jeremy Wells used to review them, didn't he? I had to wait years for the baton to be handed over. <laughs> Patrick McCarthy before you, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a great lineage of ninety percent reviews from <laughs> from angry men. <laughs> Talking which, there's a huge McCandless feature in here about about games addiction. Mm. I read it. Mm. I read it earlier. Actually, it was um, it was pretty good. Actually, is that him in the picture? No, no, that's not. That let's have a look. Who? That's not Colin. That's not that's not Mackleworth. No, it's got Mackleworth <laughs> after no. half a pill. <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, feature on on uh, games addiction, isn't it? On the yeah. Yeah, I, I was reading it. It's actually quite it's, it's serious, wasn't it? Well, it's kind of interesting because he talks about addiction to game. Well, obviously, it was a time of MMOs and stuff. Obviously, we, you know, Zone lost a couple of people to MMOs over the years, yeah. myself included. Mamopaga. <laughs> yeah. Actually, one one of the, one of the best excuses I ever had for for late copy came from someone who who I I think may have had a little bit too much of a unhealthy relationship with an online game. Um, you know, oh, Chris yeah. Anderson. Loved, yeah. loved EverQuest, and uh, I think it was in my early days of being reviews editor. And uh, <laughs> I sent him, I sent, you know, I sent him some some code to review and a commission, and you know, he had a deadline. Um, so he would always be late with his coffee. So I think I, what I'd do is I'd always ring him the day before, like twenty four hours before, and just go, "You still right to get me the coffee for like ten o'clock tomorrow <laughs> morning?" And it would always be, "Yeah, sure." And then of course he'd never show up. On this particular occasion, it was classic because I rang him up. Uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, say on the Monday, and his copy was due at 10 o'clock in the morning on the Tuesday. And uh, <clears throat> he goes, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, no problem. It'll be with you 10 o'clock tomorrow. Right? So he hangs up. 10 o'clock morning comes the next day, no copy. So I ring him up and he's like ringing, 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 ringing. Finally, he answers. I was like, uh, hey, Chris, Chris, uh, where's your copy? And he's like, oh, you're not going to believe this. Yesterday after you uh, stopped talking to me, uh, I went to bed and fell asleep, and you've just woken me up. <laughs> like, literally, 24, 24 hours, hours. like, oh. to the minute. <laughs> it was vampiric. <laughs> now, that's the sort of excuse you're not going to make up, are you? That's, that's obviously genuinely true. But, you, so that's one of too my stupid first, to be uh, wrong. One of my first weeks when I just started on Zone, so I was the deaf head, and, and Chris Anderson was the editor. I remember sort of sitting in the, the office. We started at 10 o'clock, and it was like about half 10. He wasn't in, and... And he was always a little bit late. We never that late. And it got to about eleven o'clock, and he came storming in the office. And came up, and I and he was like red in the face, you know, cigarette in his mouth because it was still a smoking office back then. <laughs> yeah, it was. And he was like, um, "I was like, what? Well, you're right." And he was like, "Fucking not all right. I just fucking can't believe it. It's fucking just." I was like, "Oh, calm down. What's happened?" He was like, "I've been fucking burgled. They've taken everything." And I was like, oh, "Shit, what happened? What happened?" And he was like. They've fucking they've taken everything. Everything's gone and eventually got him to calm down. It's fucking his house in Ultimate Online. 
Chris, Chris was awesome. Oh. <laughs> Shot the walls, everything. <laughs> he, he loved his MMOs, Chris. <laughs> taken everything. Have you called the police? Brilliant. He, they, was, he actually got in touch with the developers to complain get fingerprints. About it. Really? So he'd spent months building this collection of, of magic swords and um... <laughs> I think I think I think they gave it everything everything back to him didn't they because obviously Amazing. you know him being the editor of a, of a leading games mag oh, they didn't right. want to annoy him did they so well it was a hack because up... yeah, you're not you, you, if you locked your house no one was meant to be able to get in there but someone had got in and, and cleaned him out <laughs> <laughs> but there is you know he would not have reacted that badly if his real house had been burned no, so this is the only like thing a, he said 80 of packets of fags and a fucking lighter. <laughs> Last month's issue. <laughs> and some black clothes. Oh. No, Chris was brilliant. He was a funny guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. He did have a unique style. He used to stand at his desk smoking and swearing at PR people. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my first memories. Like, literally, I'd, I'd literally just come in like this really green kid walks in into this office that's just like a cloud of smoke in the basement of this like really crummy basement and Chris just just standing there on the phone shouting down at the phone at someone while smoking a fag it was unbelievable I mean I was sat next to him I I didn't smoke when I arrived in the end I started started, well yeah in the end I started 40 a day I was watching him and he was he was properly Properly, one of these chain smokers that would light the next one off the butt of the oh, previous one. Oh and I was sort of watching him through the day, and it never stopped. He actually took less breaths with air than he did with smoke. <laughs> it, was, it, it was a bizarre way to live. And uh, yeah, the office was. Um, he could hold, hold the phone and a cigarette in one hand. Yeah. Do you remember? Wow. Yeah. It's like Eric Bristow with his dark. Greatest skills. <laughs> wow. But yeah, what it was a, what a talent. It was a, it was a weird office, wasn't it? Because they, it was one of the last uh, smoking offices in London because Felix Dennis was was sort of that mindset. And, and then hmm. even when the rest of Dennis went non-smoking, the basement was the one last sort of, you know, yeah. people used to come down to smoke. <laughs> so to add more to... smokes. <laughs> one thing we need less of is smoke. <laughs> Everyone from advertising comes in. down. Developers come in, you know, to show their, their flashy new game and take them into this little office. There'd be six mugs with cigarette butts and tea in there and it was was pretty grim amazing you got any exclusives (laughs) it was we were still at cleveland street um for this issue weren't we for the half-life issue yes bolsover street or yeah well bolsover street was where we started wasn't it that's that's where that that was that was the filthy office was bolsover street yeah that's it yeah. yeah that's where i first used to go in yeah i used to go in there that really was just a dingy basement I loved it though, because from future, you know, coming up to. Well, they'd leave you alone. Yeah, well, PC's own, you know, had this basement. It was smoky. People used to drop in. It seemed more like a sort of youth club than a a magazine, you know, McCandless. I never worked full time, but. Oh, yeah, Yeah. we'd just go in as a fucking social club. Yeah, huge office, uh, McCandless, yeah. Brooker, Mallow, and just drop in. Yeah, things were never yeah. the same after we moved from Bolsover Street because the atmosphere changed. No. We became more corporate. It became more yeah. cleaner and more professional, and it lost some of its soul after that. It did. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I left a year before this issue, more or less. But I remember Cleveland Street has just been this huge basement with, well, no one in it apart from us, really. And I, I know, and it was just empty desks everywhere. Yeah, an empty space and. 
kind of yeah, it was a bit soulless. Yeah, it wasn't. Was it still the same around this time? Well, they'd closed my mag because <laughs> they'd moved us up to the second floor by this point. I think, hadn't yeah. they? All right. Yeah. And we were up there with all the other games. You know, there was what CVG, and I yeah, think CVG. we bought. Haven't we bought like a PlayStation? Wasn't that? Didn't we buy the PlayStation mag that you worked for, Jamie, or something? Yeah, or, I think because yeah, Play Nation was, was was the one you know because we were all in the same office and mm. you know there was Pat Garrett and Johnny Minkley doing CVG across the way and, and just got guys. in from GAY. <laughs> yeah. So is Play Nation the one that they closed? Yeah, they basically. Uh, closed. I, I, I arrived and then like six months later. Oh, no, we, I think we bought the player, wasn't it? Wasn't it called the oh, player? Oh, that, was that rings a bell. Oh, yeah, right. So that was the there was a there was a magazine. I think it was the player, and this poor little um, I think he was only the dep ed at the time. I think the editor had left, but this brilliant story that he was summoned to Felix Dennis's office, and he hadn't sort of you know been introduced or anything, and, and went in there, and Felix Dennis just boomed at him. What cunt decided to call this fucking magazine the player? He didn't know what to say. <laughs> oh, that was me, actually. <laughs> yeah, Felix Dennis had a fierce reputation, but whenever, uh, whenever I met him, he was always he was always really nice. You know, I never if met. You got someone to his never office. Once. You're in trouble. Yeah, I never. I'd never heard of, did, heard about a few people who got shouted at at his office because his office was in like Soho or somewhere, wasn't it? It was down the bottom of Carnby Street, wasn't it? And um, yeah. really trendy sort of, you know, well. Sort of hipster trendy, just above one of these uh, restaurants in the square. I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, it was. Um... You said that Blue Rolls Royce would be outside. You know, you know, it was in residence. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue Roll would be sat outside Dennis. <laughs> I'll be going in with some screenshots or something on a floppy disk. All right, he, Felix is in. He lost his he lost his way somewhat because I I used to love him. I think he was a brilliant character. And then he turned up once with his Blue Rolls Royce, started unpacking loads of crates of champagne. Um, took it to the ad floor, handed bottles out to everyone and said, you're the people that make me all my money. And uh, all the fucking editorial people on the other floor was like, you motherfucker. They're fucking nothing. They didn't sell the fucking nuts. We're the talent here. Didn't get a sniff of it. I loved I, I mean, I, I was quite kind of, uh, I remember being quite proud of the fact that like, I was reading an interview with him in, uh, it was the Times or something, and he was talking about, oh yeah, I've done loads of, coke with the rolling stones and all this kind of stuff and it was like god you you know moving from future which was quite sort of yeah you know stayed and you know it's a great place to work but you know dennis was just like a just a kind of yeah because it was private so there was it was just his company could do what the hell he wanted really it seemed a lot more rock and roll didn't it Okay, chaps, the moment you've all been waiting for, it's the reviews quiz. What? I wasn't told about this. Brilliant. It was in the brief. <laughs> never read the brief. Rule number one, never read the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the idea is that rather than pour through reviews of games we barely remember, I'm going to read a choice passage from a review in the June 2003 issue. And all you have to do is tell me which game is being reviewed and who wrote it. So it's like the first one. It's a sad fact, but many games are shit. Indiana Jones and the Empress 2, Mark Hill. Oh, well done. Jesus Christ. Bloody hell. Well done. See, they, they didn't make me senior for nothing, you see. <laughs> That's really quite okay, impressive. Next one. Hang on, I'm on the reviews page. Can you remember the score, Martin? 60-something percent. Yeah. Wow. Gamer gave it 78, by the way. 
Wankers. Yeah, they always added 10% on. <laughs> Wankers. That was a blowjob for the 10%. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> on that theme, here's another one. My brothel is desperately short of ladies. Rihanna Pratchett, that was one of the run-ons, wasn't it? I, no, it was, it was a full page. Tropico okay, 2. Okay, Tropico oh. 2. But I remember, yeah, that was, yeah. 78%. Uh, Gamer gave it 76 there's also a full-page advert for it at the back, if that makes a difference. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's French, so it must be weird. Rayman 3, Hoodlum Havoc. Nice one, yeah. Wow. Yeah, of course. Written by... <laughs> Not me. James James Lyon, was it? That was a made-up name, wasn't it? <laughs> no. It was a real person. He was a real he person. He was a real person. Uh... Who was the made-up person? Was that Elvis? Who was Elvis Bacon? I never met John, Elvis John Bacon. Bennett. It was John Bennett. Yeah. Tweeting him. Yeah, that leather oh, okay. Tennis freak. I was looking at that name thinking, was that a real person? I don't remember an Elvis Bacon, but yeah, I remember <laughs> he, John he Bennett. He wasn't really, he was sort of a parody of himself. He wasn't really real. He liked leather trousers, whiskey and tennis. Didn't he end up doing a school order. teacher or something? Tennis he teacher. Taught, I thought he taught tennis. He's one of those persons like, you see the cricket? <laughs> I love tennis. <laughs> See the match last night? Wimbledon's coming up. <laughs> okay, here's one, another one. The most terrifying first person shooter ever. Blitzkrieg. <laughs> Devastation. Actually, this is a cheeky one. It's a, it's a budget review. Oh, okay. Hold on a minute. Um, Soldier of Fortune. I don't even know what the budget reviews were in that issue. Is it re releases or budget? Hang on. Serious Sam Gold. Two. Aliens vs. Predator 2, gold. Yeah, Martin Corder. Is oh. it still the most terrifying first-person shooter ever, Martin? Um, you loved that game. No, I loved, I, lo- I, loved, I loved the Marine campaign of that. The other two campaigns weren't as good. The online, the uh, multiplayer was great. It was very, it was very scary. It's, one, it's still one of the scariest games I've ever played, I think. Well, Is go. the reason that you can still remember things that you're slightly younger than us? Because I can't remember anything. I barely remember the people who are on the magazine. Yeah. Mind the... I just about remember Martin Corder. I don't remember our date at Terminator 3, Rise of the Fucking Machines, was it? Exactly. We can't remember like big premiere cinema things that we go to. And Corder's, it's reading, Dave, off isn't it? from... <laughs> Corder's reading off quotes from run-ons. <laughs> tattooed on his arm. <laughs> Okay, one more, one more, one more. There's no dismemberment or bowel spilling or gurgling rasps as throats are ripped by bullets, no hopping around in agony as kneecaps are shotgunned out of existence. So if extreme violence would have been enough for you, that's out too. Devastation. Devastation, Not a great, not a great issue for reviews. Really. No, it was poor. Lucky, lucky we had such good previews. Sack the senior reviews editor. <laughs> Demote him back to North, just the reviews editor. Senior reviews editor was out on a jolly. Yeah, exactly. That's why there's no good reviews. <laughs> Fucking Seattle having coke blown up his ass for a straw. I definitely wasn't doing that. Like big Gabe. <laughs> Finishing off the reviews, then. Any thoughts on the super test? It wasn't. Was it one where we dressed up? I don't think it was. No. So it was a weird budget one, wasn't it? We got Mark Hill with a pair of symbols on his knees, 
I don't know if it was because <laughs> we only had two weeks to do it. But if it you was... look at if you look at the next issue, um, in my kind of reviews intro, I say that we we stopped doing the the super test pictures, but apparently we had such an influx of letters saying they wanted it to come back that we brought it back after this issue. So I think uh, it was that we tried it for this one issue and then people didn't like it. So we just went back to the old way of dressing, <laughs> dressing ourselves up like idiots. Basically. Don't get cheap on us, don't. Yeah, I can't believe that we would have got rid of that. That was one of the best bits. That was an absolute magazine. highlight, yeah. I think, yeah, I, think it was, I think it was probably budget cuts, wasn't it, more than anything else? Yeah. Sometimes you could just literally go have a photo shoot. I mean, unthinkable magazines now, if they even exist. I know. Now it's like, can you send us a selfie? <laughs> <laughs> one with the we had a, yeah. a one with a croupier. Do you remember, like dressed up as a yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that remember, shoot? Yeah. I think that was. I think that cost about eight hundred pounds. I seem to remember. Yeah, yeah. they were six hundred just to, just How to hire the, uh, the the roulette wheel, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like a ridiculous amount of money. It's like I think the the entire budget of PC Zone by the end was about eight hundred. <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous. why never, that's why we never got any freelance towards the end. <laughs> 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 I think we are nearing the end of the issue. Are there are there any highlights or uh, lowlights even that anyone can remember from the issue? I thought, uh, like to... I thought the man who knows was great. <laughs> My only contribution to the entire magazine. Man, the man who knows was always good, but there was also we had the exclusive uh, first look ever of Call of Duty. In the oh, same man. issue, um, yeah. Where's was, that now? Whatever happened to that? Yeah, exactly. It became the um, exclusive for the following issue, right? Yeah, that, so what, we we what did the first we, ever um, cover, didn't we? Yeah, we got taken again down the pub in top secret by this PR person who used to be our publisher, and he just said, you know, this is the real deal. People behind Medal of Honor have left uh, EA because they hated it out there, and they've set up their own studio, and Call of Duty is going to be the real Medal of Honor. Um, and we didn't really believe it at the time, necessarily. But, um, yeah, little did we know. Um, I mean, it only got like a little quarter page. <laughs> in this issue? World, yeah. well, we, we did the first Jesus. ever cover in the world of Call of Duty. We put it on the cover, didn't we? Right. Yeah, that was that was the next issue. Yeah. Right. Next so so we made them. Amazing, yeah. We made them. Yeah. What have they ever done for you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think people were a bit tired of World War Two shooters at the time. Maybe that was like fed into it a little bit. It's like, oh, yeah, Medal of Honor the, yeah. was only just over a year old at that point. Well, it's also Medal of Honor was taken over by the, the original was great, but then EA started just doing their franchise thing on it, and I think I think people got a bit tired of that, um, including the developers who up to the left and, and made Call of Duty. Yeah, fair enough. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I did. I can't remember. Did, did the PC? Did the first PC version? I mean, it must have got a good score. Yeah, I can't remember what it got. Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, yeah, I think it was around ninety or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, good. Any other highlights from the issue that anyone noted? There is a bit where it says that Jamie Jackhammer, Sefton, Nutmeg, Dave Wondergold Woods on the football pitch. I find that hard to believe. Surely. Well, yeah, I think it was squash because you can like beat me at squash like every time i don't think i ever beat you at squash <laughs> but football i could where does jackhammer come from it was my the strength <laughs> of my shot all oh, right it's not <laughs> masturbating in the office no no that's that that comes later in the zone uh history 
No, there's another story about that. With the, was that yeah. is that in real life? Your shot was so hard that um... yeah, it was it was uh, it was actually Steve O'Hagan that coined that term. Oh, Steve O'Hagan. You remember yeah. Steve O'Hagan? He's, he wrote a couple of things in this issue, actually. Did he? Yeah, oh, he he's in there somewhere. I'm still in Steve touch with him. Oh, Steve. Steve O'Hagan is awesome. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, but so yeah, it was um, that was where the jackhammer came from. It was Steve O'Hagan because we used to play a lot of like I used to play five a side at you know whenever I could and footy and uh, I was pretty good. If you say so yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess, yeah. I guess um, in this issue, I guess you got to mention Mr. Cursor, haven't you, Rishi? Yeah. Backpage. Was it? Was, of course. Was that a one-off or? Was was he back at that stage? No, it was a series, wasn't it? Because it was a story that it was. It wasn't quite what we expected. It was. It was I have to admit, I read this earlier. I just didn't get it like, at all. Like, no one really got it. So, I mean, this one was overclocking, and it, but it was a big story. So, he overclocked the ship, and I quite like the last line: "We are in very deep shit, boomed and gango." Um, but yeah, it was <laughs> not quite what we were expecting, uh, but we ran it anyway. Um, I'm not quite sure uh, whether <laughs> whether anyone got what it was or not. We should probably bring it to a close. So before we do, though, last thoughts on the issue. And would you say it was a classic? What score would you give it, uh, Dave? Uh, OK, so I'll try and be pretty brief but it didn't have enough hill so i was always a big hill fan so mm. it gets marks knocked off of that uh the review editor did a poor job that issue uh, <laughs> it wasn't was. there um senior so, reviews editor thank you steve too so i think you know that i think it's got to be a classic but i would give it you know a, a straight yeah. 90 for me um you know 92 if we'd had a bit more hill very kind Fair enough. You're still a bully. By you, Jamie. <laughs> what do you think, Jamie? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Half Life Two, just because uh, it was just brilliant getting that exclusive. Um, but uh, yeah, just scrape scrape a ninety. Gosh. The PR person would be really pissed off with me for uh, only, giving, <laughs> only only giving it ninety. What about you, Martin? What do you, what's your score for the issue? Well, yeah, I, I, I'm not wanting to copy the other two, but yeah, ninety percent, like. We did it in two weeks. We broke Half-Life 2 to the world. The rest of the mag was hit and miss. But yeah, you can't really go get past the fact that we broke the biggest game in the world and this magazine. Um, so yeah, straight 90 for me as well. Well, a 90 from Steve, obviously. No, 89, just to, <laughs> to fuck everyone else off. Not a classic for Hill. No. Didn't make any money from it. <laughs> Eating fucking guinea pigs in South America while you were flying around the world writing about Half-Life. Where's the justice? Uh, right, again, again, right. I really need a piss, so I think I'm out. Well, this is probably a good time to um, call an end to our little discussion. Um, thank you, everyone. I hope it's been fun. Yeah, cheers, Richie. It's been great. Yeah. Thanks, Richie. Good work setting it yeah. up. Been really good, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it was my it's my idea actually, but um, yeah, I'll give Richie some credit <laughs> for doing all of the work. Doing all the work. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to all of you. Thank you, Dave Woods, um, Steve Hill, Jamie Sefton, and Martin Corder. Thank you to everyone out there listening, and um, I'm sure we'll have another episode of PC Zone Lives very, very soon. Thank you. Cheers, Richie. PC Zone Cheers, Lives. Richie. Cheers, Richie. 
species zones alive. Oh, well, who wants to live forever? <laughs> species zones alive. Wow. That was impressive. <laughs> was that you? Was that you just got it as a sample? Yeah, that's no, it? me. In your brain. <laughs> oh, we don't need Blessed. If Blessed kicks up a fuss. <laughs> Blessed's out of a job. After that. Blessed. Blessed is finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never make Flash Gordon too. Get Sefton in. <laughs> Sefton's alive. <laughs>